the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, we reflect on the life of Pastor Tim Keller, and then an amazing thing happened in this weekend's PGA Championship. You're listening to The Common Good. Monday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today, Aubrey. It's Monday. It's Monday. Happy Monday. How are you doing Thank today? You. I'm doing great. It's beautiful out there. It feels like summer, so I so that puts me in a good mood on a Monday. It How about really you? It really is a beautiful day. Can I tell you why I'm super happy <gasps> today? Yes, please. Like, I'm going to be energetic. You've okay. already commented. I've been a little goofy today yes, leading up to been. the show. Yep, a little giggly. I mowed my lawn this morning. You did! I got up today and I said, I'm going to drive my kid to school and then I'm going to go home and I'm going to mow the lawn before coming up to the studio. My new mower, it's still still new, it's still beautiful. I got some podcasts on. It was a good time and I was like, all right. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Ready for today. Oh, so, man. That's, uh, so good job. Congrats. That's right. It is Monday today. Hey, later on, uh, we're going to spend some time reflecting on the life of Pastor Tim Keller, Pastor uh, Reverend Keller, author, pastor. I would say probably the number one pastor that you and I quote the most on this show. De- I mean, we've definitely talked about him quite a bit. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And so he passed away after a battle with, I believe, pancreatic cancer. I think that's right. Uh, I think he passed away on Friday, but it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, it was coming. And so coming. people writing all sorts of great things. And uh, we're going to reflect and talk a little bit about his life and uh, spend some time with that. If you've got stories that here's how Tim Keller's life affected me. Maybe it's one of his books, Reason for God or Prodigal God or any of those, or maybe a sermon or whatever else it might be. We'd love to hear from you. 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. But I want to start somewhere else. Okay. Where do you want to start? I didn't tell you. I just want to tell you. I want to tell you a story. Okay. Let's hear it. Aubrey, I think that I... Got a a glimpse into one of things that is wrong with our culture, <gasps> our society oh, no. over okay. the weekend. Okay. So let me paint the picture. Uh, I went to my daughter's softball tournament Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Uh, it was up in Huntley. So we didn't yep. stay there. Obviously, drive up, drive yep. back, drive up, yep. kind of go to church, work around it, whatever yep. else it might be. So. Uh, if you ever go to a, a baseball tournament or a softball tournament, literally, mm-hmm. like l- younger kids, they're often at places where there'll be multiple fields kind of uh, where you're all yes. in the same area. Yes. So the fields are facing away from each other, but that's how these complexes work. Yeah. And so while I was watching her softball game, behind me was going on baseball. You know how much I love baseball. Yeah, you you know love baseball. that I've invested time, money, everything, and do travel baseball. Yep. And so I'm not even, I am pointing the finger here at what happened this weekend, but I, I understand that I can, you know, some of this has been my life. Okay, so, okay. Yesterday eve, like at near the end, my daughter is playing in the championship game. They lost. They knew they were going to lose Aww. this team, but uh, they lost, but it, it was tense. Okay. 
And behind us, there was a 12U baseball game. That means 12 and under. Okay. Baseball game going on that got super intense. <gasps> really? It, the game is probably supposed to be seven innings. It went 10 innings. Okay? <gasps> okay. So both of these are going on within, if you, it, the walkway might be 10 feet apart. Yeah. Like maybe so 15 right feet apart. They're right there by each other. Yeah. My daughter's game ended up having uncomfortable tension between the two coaching staffs. No. Uh, swearing. Come on. Uh, threats. Come on. Yelling. No. And the, da- the girls are not really a part of it. In fact, my daughter afterwards told me that two or three girls on her team were in tears. <gasps> like, I don't want to be playing anymore. These Whoa, guys had some history. Oh, no. Uh, and I would just put it nicely this way. Uh, there were issues on both sides. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. This umpire, usually the umpire is part of the problem. Yeah. If you umped a 14U girls game and Huntley last night, you deserve jewels in heaven. You kept the peace. <laughs> wow. This really? guy was good. Wow. Yeah. What in the world? So lots of tension. I mean, like there was a moment I thought I was going to pull my daughter from the game if something kept escalating. Dude, get some perspective, guys. Well, Come on. I'm not done yet. Okay, there's more. Wait, At there's the more. At the same time, behind me, on the 12U game, there's parents yelling at parents. No. There's parents yelling at coaches. No. There's this one particular mom. By the way, baseball moms are worse than baseball dads. Interesting. In really? This one particular mom F-bombing the coach on no, the other team no, right there. No, There's some alcohol that I think <gasps> had been snuck in. Uh, okay. There's all of this yes, stuff. Yes, And that game Starts finally to make a little ends. more sense. So this is going on simultaneously. Ryan, what a wild and thing. I had an epiphany. Uh, we spend a lot of time on this show, in our in our newspaper, yeah. everything, talking about what's wrong with the generation coming uh, up. Do you want to know what's wrong with the generation? Oh, you ready for the answer? I'm ready. Their parents. They're seeing our generation. Their parents. <gasps> Unbelievable. The there is an issue, and the issue is us. Unbelievable. Now let me add even some more context. Okay. You know this. My son is now playing high school baseball. Yeah. And uh, had an awesome season. He's playing at Wheaton Academy. They are in the playoffs, like deep in the playoffs. Awesome. He was on the JV team, and he got called up to the varsity team. Awesome. So they do that with the JV players who had a good year. He's not really going to play, but he's getting to experience it. Yes. So it's really fun. This also struck me yesterday. Do you know what never happens in high school baseball, at least that I've seen? Uh, coaches fighting near fighting. each other. Parents yelling. So this is just a... Um, it happens. Yeah. But Aubrey, there's an epidemic. I'm not joking when I say this because here's how I know it is worse than when my son was playing it five years ago. Come on. And now these parents like I'm, I almost said I'm going to be old. No, I'm going to be like the realist here. These parents think their eight year old Jimmy or Johnny is like getting fast tracked to major league baseball. I was about to ask you, like, or, what is the motivation or behind their the daughter rage? is going to be on like some D1 scholarship? Come on. Come on. And you would think that we were playing for money. Yeah. We were playing like whatever. Yeah. Like, what is at stake for these parents? It is. Uh, it was embarrassing. Yeah. Well, the fact that you almost pulled your daughter and that you said your daughter, ha- like, girls should not be crying because the coaches are causing a scene it, at the game. It's ridiculous. It was really difficult to be around because I could also feel the tension because yeah. the other team's coaches yeah. 
We're doing some stuff. Now, if you're a dad mm-hmm. in the situation, which you are, mm-hmm. do you follow up with your daughter's coach and say, bro, no more? We were one step. We were a step away from that. Okay. Carrie and I actually talked about that last night. Yeah. She wasn't there. She was there for the first couple games, okay. and then I came up, and okay. she left. Okay. And I stayed for the rest. of It was a long day. She had four games. This was not normal. Ooh, this was not day. normal. That was a long day. What I would say is this. Uh, we were one step away. If one particular thing had happened that I thought was going to happen, they were going to be like, hey, I'm not sure I want to keep my daughter on this team. Yeah. Like, they were no that. No way. It ended up. One of the other coaches de-escalated things okay. well. Okay, good. Uh, and so I didn't feel the need to have to do it. But here's my bigger point. So Besides crazy. wanting to just vent about this, there's people listening right now going, I totally get this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, I would say it's like that 8 to 12 or maybe like 9 to 13 mm-hmm. like that we're not even talking you would think this gets worse and worse as they get yeah, older like i'm college or something I'm telling like you, that Aubrey, it's just the young my experience weird is re- and it's getting worse that eight to 12 range yeah. where they're paying all this money for yeah, travel ball yeah they're traveling to these tournaments yeah. they're out in the sun and all of a sudden it's not the kids yelling at each other it's it's parents. It's it's unreal. No, and so, it's unbelievable. Especially, I mean, like I said, like get some perspective. You have like your daughter's not this young kid, but like no. you've got young people watching. What are you doing? You have got to step back and take go- a breath. What do you think's going on there? Like, I, are I, we projecting? Yeah, there's got to be some identity I, stuff happening. There's got to be some. I think, especially with coaches, they're projecting some sort of like. I just want to win. Yeah, yeah. Ego, identity. Even above this, the team that our all right. Hopefully, they're not listening. The team that our <laughs> softball team lost to, yeah, and we knew we were going to lose yeah. to. Yeah, do you know why we knew we were going to lose to them? Because this was a C. The, softball is essentially you're an A T and baseball too. You're an okay. A team. You're a B team. Okay. You're a C team. Yep. You're a D yep. team. Like there's rankings. Yep. We, my daughter plays on a really good C level team. They okay. play good ball, but they're yeah. not like going to be going winning some national yeah. tournament, yeah. right? This team that that we lost to was maybe an A, but at least a B level team, no and they came way. down to this tournament just to win. <gasps> and so you're just like, are you so insecure in yeah. yourself that you need the trophy that badly? No, what in the world? And my is that about? team, my daughter's team, only lost to them in championship three to two. Well, they good. played I'm glad well, to hear that. but it was so tense. And I sat there going, ugh, ugh. like, did I ever used to add to this tension? Like, I don't think so. They're the worst teams to play against. And it was going on all around me that I had this epiphany that said, we're the problem. Like the adults. The adults are the are problem the pro- here. Stop telling us about how the, yeah, next, the next generation, generation. is the problem. And yeah. like, you know where they're learning their phone use from their parents. Yeah. You wonder why they're jerks? Because they watch their parents. Unbelievable. It, it hit me out there. on the. This should have been a beautiful day. Where we all sit you're in our enjoying, chairs. You're cheering on the ones who do well. You're cheering on your up. kids. Yeah. yeah. And it was not that way. That is just at brutal. All. Wow. So I just want to say this. And then I will I will turn this in a much happier way. Okay. If that's you, <laughs> you're the problem. Yeah, you're fair. a terrible person. Look mm-hmm. in the mirror. Ask your kid if they enjoy you at their game. 
That's a great like question. that mom at that baseball game. If, I, if that kid had to have been embarrassed, that husband, oh, I, I kept thinking to myself, right? "Where's her husband? Like <laughs> he's got to be on the other side, just hiding because this is awful." Mortifying. It was terrible. All wow. right, thanks for letting me. I needed to start. I as it was going on yeah. at the field you yesterday. Like, this is great radio right here. I said I need to talk about this because I'm. I, can't I, I just even need to let imagine. go. Okay, real quick, you said uh, the worst moms are baseball moms. Does that include your wife? No, she's great. That's fine. She's That's out the right, taking pictures. That's the only right answer. She's off taking yeah. pictures. She's doing all. And I don't mean baseball moms are worse than other sports, but if I'm telling you, I've gone to so many of these travel tournaments, the the moms, like I just described, are usually at the center of the problems. Wow. It's wild. Wow. It's coaches and it's moms. Coaches and moms. And then you all see right. the husband's There's like, a lesson. Shut up. Quiet. <laughs> Quiet. (laughs) I've seen it a million times. Wow. Okay. If that's you, stop being that way. Uh, Let's think about the the impact we're having on our kids. That's right. The next generation. That's right. That's right. Coming up next, we're going to reflect on a life well lived, the the life of Tim Keller. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AIM 1160, hope for your life. Do you know when next Monday, Memorial Day, it's supposed to be 87 degrees? That's awesome. I mean, have we reached summer? Yeah, I think we're I think there. So. It's what eighty-two today. That was the high. I, mean, I think we're there, and now it's yeah. going to snow. Actually, no, <laughs> no, yeah, no. I think we we've made it. We've hopefully, made it. Hopefully, you're enjoying some time outside today. As I said earlier, I got to mow the lawn today, so I'm a happy guy. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> and uh, the little things for Brian. That's right. That's right. All right, Aubrey, get back on Friday. We got word of the passing of Tim Keller. Uh, Tim Keller, for those of you who are unaware, is the founder of Redeemer Church in New York City, which is like one of the most influential churches, I would say, in Manhattan. Absolutely. It's a very tough place yep. to start a church. Yep. Uh, and then he just is the most prolific writer you'll ever re- mm-hmm. know, right? Reason for God, Prodigal How God. How many books? Yeah, you just, so, his book on preaching is phenomenal. And on prayer. Yep. I, I mean, the joke oh, yeah, is Tim Keller's written more books than I've read, yeah. right? And yeah. so... Uh, and Tim Keller also, you and I have talked about being at Exponential, like the, say, the church planning mm-hmm. conference. The only time I ever heard him. Mm-hmm. And there was such reverence for him. And then he yeah. just sat on a stool and talked. That's what's always, I mean, we'll reflect a lot on his legacy. But one of the things that always impressed me about Keller was as a communicator, He's not the guy running around on stage. No. He's the opposite of the hype priest. He's not even really that dynamic. And yet he's so engaging yeah. and like so much wisdom and um, intellect and uh, just love of Jesus. Yeah. You know, you're like crying and you're like, oh, I don't know. How do you even he snuck up on me yep. there? Yep. Yeah. People affectionately referred to him as Yoda because mm-hmm. he was so wise. Yep. And so uh, Tim Keller, he also was one of the founders of the Gospel Coalition. Mm-hmm. Him and Don Carson, I believe, started mm-hmm. the Gospel Coalition. So Tim Keller, he's, he'd been very open about his battle over the last couple of years with pancreatic yep. cancer and he's outlived every prognosis. Uh, but he, you could tell in the last couple of weeks he was taking a turn for the worse. Uh, and he went on hospice and he passed away. Can I just read to you? His son tweeted oh, on Friday yeah. at Tim Keller's um, Twitter handle at Tim Keller NYC announcing his dad's passing. Mm. And I just, there's something so not just beautiful, but Tim Keller in this, right? Like, 
we're not going to hold him up as the perfect person. Sure. Nobody is. But right. man, did he live a good life. And we'd love to hear your reflections, too, by the way. You can call us anytime. 312-660-2594. That's 312-660-2594. But he wrote this. This is Michael Keller, Tim Keller's son, announcing his dad's death. He said, Timothy J. Keller, husband, father, grandfather, mentor, friend, pastor, and scholar, died this morning at home. Dad waited until he was alone with mom. Mm. She kissed him on the forehead and he breathed his last it's breath. Precious. We take comfort in some of his last words. Mm. And then he quotes his dad's some of his last words. There is no downside for me leaving. Not in the slightest. <laughs> and then Michael Keller wrote, see you soon, dad. Oh, that's so precious. Oh, that makes you want to cry. I think wow. his people are reflecting. And in the, after 530, mm. you and I are 430. I'm sorry. We're going to also spend some time. The Gospel Coalition they have their 50, they called it like the 50 greatest Tim Keller oh, line. Oh, like, that'll um, be fun to share quotes. the quotes. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about some of those. And you'll just mm. see his wisdom. But are, can we, I, I think one of the least surprising things is that Tim Keller died really well. And that's a weird statement to make, but it's true. Yeah. He died multiple times quoting like i'm just excited to see jesus he said that like a day or two before <laughs> he passed away yeah or what we read here about there being no downside he talked mm. a lot about dying in the last couple years yeah. leading up and been very open about his struggle mm. i guess it's not a surprise it's like the continuation of an amazing um ministry but even that aubrey i, I don't know talk talk to me about the influence or the respect that you've had for tim keller over the years i mean I I I said this off air kind of tongue in cheek like I pray because I don't think there's any hints no, of this right. that we don't stories don't start coming out right because I feel so like used to it we're so else. jaded right uh, of the the stories that come out of like pastors behind the scenes or secretly this but I don't think that's going to be Keller and uh-uh. and I think that's ultimately the legacy is the character yes. like in a day and age when so many and this man could have been a celebrity pastor for all intents yep, and purposes. Yep. He could have made a tower unto himself. So prolific, so successful, so venerated, so influential. And yet somehow he was able to just remain a grounded pastor full of integrity and character, influencing a lot of um, a lot of especially male pastors, but a lot of pastors and um, I I think I'll tell you a story later of a conversation Kevin and I once got to have with him. But I think the character more than anything mm-hmm. to me is the thing that stands out right now when you think about Keller in kind of the swirl of all of the the terrible pastor stories we end up telling on this show. Here's a guy who's been stalwart, steady, full of integrity. And I think that that faithfulness is the thing that's worth being commemorated and celebrated, right? Like, here's a marriage that lasted. Here's a dad who was faithful. Here's a follower of Jesus who stayed true until the end. Man, if I don't know if we can't celebrate that, then what's worth celebrating. Gavin Ortland, much to what you just said, wrote this on Twitter. This is one that I thought said it really well. That Tim Keller finished well means so much to so many in my generation. Mm. In a time of disintegration and distrust, his legacy for us is not just his gifts and insights, but his character. Yeah, that's right. Now it's our turn to do the same in a new day. Mm. I think our culture, our church culture, and just our culture in general longs for people 
who are actually what they say they are, who long for care. Yeah. Tim Keller never claimed to be perfect. Right, right? right. I remember him telling a story at the church planning conference saying he had his priorities so mixed up when he first planted his church and was running so hard. I think I'm getting this right. That he came home one day and his wife was throwing their wedding china out the window. Oh, like as a way man, of being like, if this that. is how it's going to be, We're you done. get out of here. Yeah. And him needing to wow. make a bunch of changes to wow. his life. Like he, I, I don't think we do this to say, look at this perfect life. Mm. We say to do this to say, look at this man who who mm. lived what he said, believed yeah. deeply in Jesus, yeah. and lived with character literally until his final yeah, breath. Ran the race until his final breath. Literally until Beautiful. his final yeah, what breath. Yeah, what a legacy. I mean, really, what a, what a legacy. And, right. and And I think we'll hear the opposite of what I said before. I think we'll hear more and more stories of what he's Already done are. and how he's influenced That's people. right. If you want to share your story of, or your favorite Keller book or whatever else it might be, 312-660-2594. I want to stay on the topic of Tim Keller, Gospel Coalition, uh, an organization of which he was one of the co-founders, they compiled this, the 50 quotes from Tim Keller. I just want to read some of them and and be encouraged by them. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside a dancing Aubrey Sampson. I like this groove. Oh, you do, do you? I do. like it. I like it. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. We are so glad to have you with us today on a beautiful Monday afternoon here in the Chicagoland area. Hope that you're doing well. A week away from Memorial Day. So can you believe that? I can. I'm ready for like it. Like May's over. Yes. That feels weird to me. I feel like we were just saying, it's going to be May, and now it's going to be June. Are we doing this again? Are you just going to sing things again? This is like what I'm doing today. Okay. It's the summer. It's the sunshine. It's the vitamin D. But vitamin D. For some of us, it gives us energy. It <laughs> gives us, us it hope. Makes it us sing. makes us sing. That's okay. Right. Okay. Uh, by the way, my daughter's in Europe right now. Comes home tomorrow. Wow. That is So fancy. excited to see her. And uh, yeah, so excited to get her back That'll again. Be fun. Is she and then she, is she around for the summer? That is it. Like she is. Here. I mean, she'll make day trips up to see her yeah. friends in yeah. Michigan and this that. But like now, now's the long haul. We had her home for like a week and a half. Then she went to Europe for a week, and now she's back. Now she's, she's back. coming back. Coming back okay. tomorrow. Fun. And then it's, it's going to be awesome until the end of August. Wow! So it's, everyone has to adjust a little bit. Is, she's everyone gone. has told me there's an adjustment, but yeah. I'm, I'm excited for said adjustment. Yeah. And I feel like we dipped our toe. Yeah. And then she went away again, oh. and now she's back. You are and just so, you're setting the pace for those of us who are just a couple years behind because we're headed there too. And let's Ooh. be honest, it will be much more difficult for her than for me. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. coming back. You remember what it was like when you went back from I college? I did because all of a sudden your parents like, oh, have wait, a curfew on you. Tell and, me what to do. Right, right. I have to. Res- I have to like answer to you. I have to like tell you my schedule. I can't go to Taco Bell at two thirty right. in the morning. What right. are you saying? Uh, what are you yeah, saying? That, that, that always got challenging. In fact, not to. I can't speak for your daughter, but Mm-mm. I didn't go home after freshman year. I was like, nope, I'm done. And I just stayed here in the summer. And, Did I mean, you really? Yeah, freshman I mean, I, year? I mean, like, I visited my parents, but every summer after freshman year, I I stayed here. What did you do the summer after freshman year? Um, I got a job as a nanny all through the summer, and I rented an apartment in the summer with a friend, and I continued to do that type freshman of thing. Freshman year. Uh-huh. Wow. So my freshman year, I went home yeah. from the whole entire thing, worked. It was yep. like 
I was excited to be home yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. I remember sophomore year, I went home. Okay. But like halfway through the summer, I was like, I just drove back out here and hang out with some friends and then you drove did? back. Like I needed just to, to, like be to with come out and see again. my people again. Uh-huh. Junior year, I went to Wheaton in the Holy Land. So that okay. was like half my summer yep. gone. Yep. And then senior year, I stayed out here. Carrie and I were engaged at that yeah. time. So I stayed out here. So mine was more of a weaning yeah, off yeah, process. Yeah, that makes sense. You were just like, nope, nope I'm done. Ripping that band aid. How'd I'm your done. parents feel about I that? Mean, like I... if my daughter said that to me right now, I'd struggle. Yeah. my. You know, I have always been a little bit of the independent firstborn. And so it didn't surprise them. It definitely took a little bit of conversation, but they were like, well, if you're paying for it, what can we do? Yeah, you know? And, and so that's ultimately what happened. I, I don't, don't know, know if they were secretly glad. Maybe inside they're like, yes, she's not coming back. There could be that as <laughs> you well. Know? Like, you know, they had to live with me. So there maybe. could be that as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've been reflecting on the life of Tim Keller. Again, if you want to share any of your favorite Tim Keller books or his sermons, you could call us at 312-660-2594. Uh, but Aubrey, the gospel quote, there's so many things written about Tim Keller right now. Yeah, uh, so much. It's fun if you to go read. to Christianity Today, it's like half their, their page. If so you go to Gospel sweet. Coalition, since he started right, along with Don Carson, right. the Gospel Coalition, you're going to see it's almost all Tim Keller stuff right now. But even The Atlantic read an art, wrote an article about oh, Tim Keller. Really? The New York Times did an article. Aww, like, wow. There are, uh, he was that kind of mm. influence. Uh, but my favorite of all of them, and what I want to share is... Uh, the Gospel Coalition, uh, Matt Smethurst did this, 50 quotes from Tim Qu- from Tim Keller. Oh, nice. So he said, Tim Keller's gone home to be with the Savior he so faithfully loved, wrote about, and preached. Uh, it's difficult to measure that man's impact on my life and ministry and on countless others. Here are 50 of my favorite Keller quotes. Oh, how cool. So I don't know. Let's, Let's just, just read them. these. I and love And then maybe if, if something comes to yeah. mind as we read it, just go, you know what? I, there's mm. one. Because I thought... How do you honor a life like that? And we talked already on the show about kind of some of the stuff he did and even his character and being even faithful up till death, his last breath Amazing. and pointing people to Jesus. Yes. But he was such a prolific writer and speaker totally. that to say, here's some of the stuff that he said or wrote uh, that was unbelievable. So let's just and work just our way through these. And also, like, somebody collected it for us, so it's all in one That's place. Right. is amazing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of death, Tim Keller said this, all death can now do to Christians, all death can now do to Christians is to make their lives infinitely better. I love, love that quote. I've never heard it until just now, but it is so... Isn't it? One, it's so Keller, but it's so powerful. Like, mm-hmm. when you think about... Death being the thing that most of us fear above all else, right? Like that um, for the Christian, it makes our lives better. That's right. Yeah. That's oh, right. So good. For me to oh. live as Christ, to die as yeah. game, right? All right. Here's another one. The central basis of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, mm. but how unshakably his heart is set on us. Yep. Dang. Keller. This is That's why good. he's Keller, right? That's right. That's uh. right. Here's one of his more famous quotes. I, in fact, use this on Easter multiple times. This has been part of my Easter sermon. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. Mm. If he didn't, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether you like his teaching, but whether he rose from the dead. That's so C.S. Lewis and Paul, isn't it? Really it really is, yeah, right? Good. So I, I've used that on Easter where Paul mm. himself says, 
if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we are to be the most pitied. We are to be pitied above all else. So, yeah, I love that one. Uh, okay, here's another one. I, this is interesting. We're going to get through like 10 of these. Yeah, these I are know. great. There's so many. Describe the God you rejected. Describe the God you don't believe in. Maybe I don't believe in that God either. <laughs> you Man, can see him saying that someone went right across the table. Wow. Contemporary mm. people tend to examine the Bible, looking for things they can't accept. But Christians should reverse that, allowing the Bible to examine us, looking for things God can't accept. Oh, that's convicting. Gosh, right I wish there. I thought that's... like this. Because every time I read this, I go, yep, yep, yep. But I, I would know. never have thought to you say it that way. Up, and you never come up with it That's in right. such a like pithy, beautiful way. Right. All right, here's another one. Satan doesn't control us with fang marks on the flesh, but with lies in the heart. Our best defense in the fight against Satan's lies is not the production of incantations, but the rehearsal of mm. truth. You know what I appreciate about this is I think sometimes, and even Christians do this, you get afraid of like the boogeyman in the corner or the suppose there's a dark spirit yeah. in that room. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not real. I, I want to be yeah. I want to be aware that there are spiritual forces at work. But I think sometimes what we don't realize is like the battle is the lies, mm. like a distorted image of God lies about how God feels about you, lies about who you are. And that's where like, that's, that's right. where Satan's coming right. for you. Yeah. This next one is classic Keller as well. Oh yeah. The gospel is that I am so sinful that Jesus had to die for me yet. So loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. I can't feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. That is so Keller. That is There's classic so like Tim Keller. A sermon series you know what the other thing line? is classic Tim Keller? He would always say anything he's preaching on. I mean, just name and what'd you preach on Sunday? Oh gosh, what did I preach on? Why am I drawing a blank? Oh, I put you on the spot. This is my fault. Okay, so let's say you preached on forgiveness and you I tell didn't. a great now you're story. Me. You tell a great story about forgiveness. Keller would always go. Jesus is the better forgiver. That's right. Jesus is the better Oreo cookie. Jesus is the, like <laughs> you're any, staring at my Oreo yeah, cookies. And you know what I mean? Like that was classic Keller. Anything that was good and commendable and beautiful, he'd go. But Jesus is the, is better, the better. Blah 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 blah. That so was can so I Keller. just say, if you've ever wondered how quickly people forget the sermons that you preach, I literally just forgot what <laughs> did I you, preached. Did you find out? Did Jesus you Google it? calms the storm. I preached Jesus on that. Jesus is story. the better storm. Something like that. <laughs> That's, <Keller. laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Okay, a couple uh, okay, more. Okay, a couple more. The doctrine of sin means believers are never as good as our true worldview should make us, and the doctrine of common grace means unbelievers are never as flawed as their false worldview should mm. make them. People, this is what made people mad. Yeah. Keller talked a lot about winsomeness he and totally winning people did. and this and that. He said this, only if your God can outrage and challenge you, will you know that you worship the real God and not a figment mm. of your imagination. Woo. If your God never disagrees <laughs> with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. That this right. coming from the man who wrote the book on idols. Unbelievable. Yep. Like yep. it's just, there's such what was it? The idol book, Counterfeit bites. Gods. Counterfeit if you're out gods. there looking yeah. for a Keller book to read, That's Counterfeit Gods. All right, you get to choose one more. Okay, I I always like this one about when Mar when he and his wife Kathy teach on marriage. I always thought this one was so powerful. You don't fall into love. Mm. You commit to it. Love says I will be there no matter what. I remember listening to him talk about marriage once and he said 
the world tells this lie like I fell into love like you accidentally fell into yeah. a ditch and he's like that's not love love is a choice and mm, you stick to it that's so that. good yeah. so so many more to read mm. but uh, just grateful for the life the ministry yeah. the character the example of Tim Keller who passed away this past Friday probably the pastor we quote the most on this show is he on our Mount Rushmore of pastors 100 yeah. percent coming up next Aubrey let's talk sports we did it at the beginning. Yay. We want to do it at the end. Actually, there's just one of the most heartwarming sports stories in a long time <gasps> happened this weekend oh, I can't wait. at the PGA Championship. I want to talk about that and listen to some audio next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. All right, did you watch the PGA Championship yesterday? I'm going to let you answer that. I'm just did you, let were you aware you of the PGA that. Championship? I'm going to let you answer that. Do you know what sport the PGA Championship is? Golf! Good, congratulations. Yes, that's the one with the stick. <laughs> And, yes. and the ball yes. and guys in little pants sure <laughs> and hats yes. with no. little puffy balls on top. i think this is leprechauns you're describing <laughs> i think you just described the lucky charms with a have, stick they, they have beards and a pot of gold in 1845 <laughs> yes this is how they played golf yes yesterday was the pga championship and brooks kepka won which was impressive it's his fifth major his third pga championship but the the person who stole the show was a guy by the name of Michael Block. Michael Block uh, is is what's just called a PGA uh, professional. He's not like a touring player. He actually works at a golf course giving lessons and this and that. He made his way. The beauty of the PGA Championship is they have some of these PGA professionals, and he had an awesome week to the point that he was in like the – he ended up top 15. And uh, what was crazy was that – he on the fifteenth hole yesterday got a hole in one. <gasps> no way! Place is already loving this guy. They said, "In here, picture is oh, that's gotta feel he so good." He sent it in and it didn't bounce. It landed <gasps> no. in the hole. He Come on! It. Come on! So uh, what cool. I want you to hear, because so I think there's some life lessons here. I want you to hear the interview he did immediately post round uh, with I forget her name, but she's the lady at CBS who does the interviewing. And what I loved about Michael Block all weekend was his emotion. Mm. He was very emotional was and he really? aware. He was very aware of what was happening around him, like how special this was. So I want you to hear this, and then let's talk. This is Michael Block after the PGA. You said it yesterday that this was the best week of your life. What do you call it now? Thanks, Amanda. I appreciate you making me cry. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, I'm living a dream. I'm making sure that I enjoy this moment. I've learned that after the my 46 years of life, that uh, it's not going to get better than this. There's no way. No chance in hell. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this, and thank you. We have loved watching you soak in every moment, and the cherry on top was what Jim Nance called an all-time up and down. This par save right here. What did you see? I hadn't made very many putts today. I, I rolled it the same the last three days, and today, just for some reason, the ball was going over the lip, and uh, that one snuck over the lip, and it made my day, and Rory was awesome, man. Everyone was awesome, and uh, I can't thank everybody enough for being so cool to me. And cheers to the 29,000 uh, PGA Tour professionals, PGA professionals in the world. I, uh, it was for you guys. Aww. We cannot wait to see you next year. No qualifying necessary. That par save locked you into a top 15 finish, which means we'll see you at Valhalla. Amazing. 
Music to my ears, my friend. Music to my ears. Thank you. Congratulations, Michael Block. You have been tremendous to watch all week. Mm. So there you go. Man, I'm such a, um, like, what's it called? Like a, when you see someone else cry, you start crying. Or when you see someone else, I gotcha. I don't you know, know what it's the called, other but thing gotcha. that yep, happens, yep. like, see, it's even just hearing his emotion brings tear to, tears to your eyes. And some of it is about the dream come true, I think. Right. And how, like, I think there's this piece of us where God has designed us to long to have experiences like that. I think ultimately that's a longing for Jesus. Mm-hmm. But when you get glimpses of people like, man, they've worked hard their whole lives. They fulfill this dream. He's there crying. And you see how much he appreciates yes. it. I think that's part of the the movie. Like if he came in as an arrogant, like, yeah, I knew I was going right. to. You'd be like, okay, whatever, bro. But it moves you to see his his emotion. What was really cool is to see all the other PGA tour professionals, like the best players in the world. They were like, want to congratulate this guy. He happened to be paired yesterday with Rory McIlroy, who's one of the most famous ones ever. Wow. And uh, after Saturday's round, one of the reporters was talking to Michael block and said, Oh, how do you feel about being paired with Rory tomorrow on Sunday? And he was so taken aback that he was going to play with Rory. It was was just a great clip. Serious. There's another clip of him hugging his wife coming off the green, Mm. all of this stuff. And what I appreciate it, first of all, he's your, he's our age. I know. 46. 46. He's not my age, but he's your age. So literally he does golf lessons at a course in California and for $150, like a a lesson. Come on. And now he just made like 280, (laughs) 280,000 this past weekend or whatever and getting invited to other rounds and whatever it's like his life is changing Mm. but what does this teach us Mm. there's stuff to learn from this story Mm -hmm. i think one of it is the importance of of so there's two things i want to make a point about and then i wonder where you go with this one is living in the moment he could have done this and just been like yeah but what about next week where do i get Mm. to play next week he was so overwhelmed and so in the moment. You could, If you watched it at all this weekend, this guy was dumbfounded by what was going on and was living it and like showing his emotions very, and all of this stuff. Very, interesting. So something about living the moment. Mm. But two, like we joke, you and I are both, four, you're 45, yeah. sorry. I'm 46. Stop aging He's me, 46, yeah. Michael Block. Like he's realizing his dream at 46. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And, and he said it won't get better than this because it won't. And that's not a sad thing. That's like a meaning like I did it. Yeah. Like it is yeah. happening. Everything like this golf, not everything I dreamed of, but what I dreamed of for as a golfer that I yes. never thought would happen. Yeah. Happened, happened. at 46, I think has got to be kind of overwhelming. I think it has to be overwhelming because there is whether or not it's right and true. Don't you think there's some cultural pressure that like, man, if you haven't achieved this dream by like 35 yeah. It's kind of not going to happen, right? Like I and I don't I think that's true in many fields, period. Uh yeah. if your church plant is not going to be massive by it's your year third two. year and you're done. Yes. If you haven't sold 10,000 books by the time you're 35, you're done. If you haven't gotten your record deal, I don't know. The, the, these are kind of crazy career choices I'm talking about, but if you know what I mean, like we sort of think our time is done. If you're not advancing up the the corporate ladder. That's what I'm, yes. Then there's no point. You're a quote unquote failure. This is all you'll be. And so there's something inspiring just that like at 46, after like just loving the game of golf and working hard at it, he's gotten there. there. That to me is sort of like a don't give up on your dream type of 
type of inspiration, yep. right? Is there any other sermon illustration out of his story? Yeah. Anything come to mind for you? Well, I think that what you're talking about, the being present thing, and I do think like there's something about the celebration like and the humility he's showing. And I, I do think there's some... I, I don't I haven't quite made the connection, but there's some sermon point there about like really, really marking and celebrating the moments where God shows up and mm. does incredible things in your life. And like being moved by it is good and beautiful. And he's not a man praising God, but if he was a Christian, he'd be like, this is God who did this. And so I do think there's something about um, the wonder and the awe that you and I yeah. have talked about before that you see here. There's also something about, I love that he got choked up talking about the other um, PGA tour professionals. Oh yeah. Like that the was other, beautiful. His buddies, He's right? cheering his, them on. His yeah. camarade, like his people. Mm-hmm. There was something uh, beautiful about that, yeah. right? Because, you know, you would like to think somebody hits it big and they don't forget the little people. I'm using air quotes if right, you can see it right. here at, at the radio. Right. Uh, but he didn't. He was like, uh, he he was just like, I'm I, I'm here for them. Yeah. Like, I'm living for them. Okay, Brian. Let me read to you a clinical psychologist writing at the New York Times. She's talking about power dynamics in relationships. And here's what she says is one of the most pernicious issues that couples struggle with. Are you ready? I I have never been more ready in my life. This is a quote, Dr. Orna Guralnik. Over the years, I've come to see that one of the most pernicious issues couples struggle with is working through wrongdoing and blame. The claim, quote, you hurt me, often sends couples spiraling. People want to feel like good and lovable beings. Their intentions make perfect sense to themselves, and they hate being interpreted as selfish. In psychoanalytic jargon, we often say, quote, no one likes being the, quote, bad object. In fact, there are few things people resist more than being held responsible for causing harm, It immediately threatens to overwhelm the offender with shame. Am I a bad person and guilt? Have I caused irreparable damage? Should I be punished? Yet serious hurt that goes unacknowledged leads to the accumulation of resentment and a deadening of the relationship. Hmm. So basically my favorite part of that was psychoanalytic. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty entertaining, actually. Okay, so basically the wrongdoing and the blame, it's not even necessarily that it's the working through it is what she's saying is the thing that can destroy a relationship if you're not careful, Uh, which I get. But I thought where she was going was like people struggle with being told they've been hurt. They've hurt their spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what? Sometimes I hurt my spouse. Sometimes I do things I have to work through. It's Sometimes so I true. do things yeah. that I have to say I'm yeah. sorry for. Like, it shouldn't be about how I feel about your reaction totally. to how like, I've hurt like you. Like, I shouldn't have to manage your feelings Correct. about the fact that you hurt me. Yes. I think that is like, like if couples adult, could get that, marriages would be safe. Yeah, and and I'm... If my wife is listening right now, <laughs> she's screaming at the at the yeah, radio going, sure, hey, sure. every now and then you get a little sensitive. Yeah. And these guys, Guilty as charged. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm right, right? Right. But like every now and then, we got to be adults in our relationships yeah. and say, you know what? I'm sorry. Right. I was wrong. I hurt and not you. be like, oh, it's 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 putting too much in my soul that you are blaming me. Totally. 
Sometimes we put blame on our spouse where it's not uh, justified. Yes. Sometimes blame is justified. And maybe it's figuring out those differences and uh, and dealing with them. Yeah, it is complicated because I know, like, let's say Kevin will, I mean, come at me is a strong word, but approach me with a way that I have offended him. I do. I mean, I definitely my initial thing can be the sort of selfish martyr like like this sort of I don't want to be the bad object. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't. And it sometimes I mean, Kevin is very patient and loving, but sometimes it'll I will go straight to defend myself and defend myself and defend myself and defend myself. And then it's a few hours later. I was like, oh, he's totally right. Well, then you start and then I go back and I say, I'm sorry, but it's a whole thing. Like, it would be nice if I can immediately be like, yeah, you're totally right. I did that. I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't mean to hurt you, but I did hurt you. And please forgive me. Yeah, we are fallen humans. And the longer we're married and we live in the same room in the same house, you start to realize I'm not. Yeah. Sometimes I do things that are just not nice or that I didn't even do intentionally, but hurt my wife and make her angry. Right. And I just sometimes the best thing that's going to happen is us just to go, hey, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. What happens in marital disputes? They (laughs) by by the couple days later, you're going, I don't really remember what we're mad about. What were we mad about? Yep. What were we mad about? It's so true. That's what I hear from other people. Carrie and I never have this issue. (laughs) You guys never have fights. No. Yeah. It's so so true. You know, what's so interesting is uh, you weren't here last week one day when Kevin was on and we were joined by the guy who does a lot for marriages that focus on the family. You can catch up on last week's episode. I believe that was Wednesday that Kevin was in studio with me. And he talked about how he doesn't like the phrase conflict resolution in marriages mm. because he thinks that's actually an illusion that conflicts are never 100 percent resolved, meaning and he gave an example of him and his wife. I'm an introvert deeply. And he literally said, I actually hate people, but my wife is an extrovert (laughs) and always wants to make plans. And he said, no amount of conflict resolution, no amount of prayer, no amount of whatever is going to make me an extrovert and make my wife an introvert. Mm. That will not be resolved. But he said, what I do like is conflict repair, where we go back to one another and say, I'm so sorry we got in a fight about this issue. I let's repair the relationship. Do you do we need to talk about this? Did I hurt you? I'm mm. so sorry. And so you do the work of I've said this before in the show, but it's like the way you handle the conflict matters more than the conflict itself. Yep. And I think that's sort of that same idea, like the way that we respond to one another when we fight, I think ultimately is the key to a marriage thriving rather than thinking you're going to convince each other and change. Really? Now, let me be let me just be sexist here. Yeah. It's the guys more uh, painting with a broad brush here who are rolling their eyes. Yeah. We're going, oh, are you kidding me? More feelings Uh, talk? Yeah, yeah. Unpack that. I've been married for 23 years, friends. Uh, Although, let me tell you that I tend to, I could sometimes be the more sensitive, emotional one in my relationship. Uh, But let me just say this. Uh, if you're not willing to have these types of conversations, your marriage is just going to drift apart. It is. It it's is. It's just going to drift yep. apart. And none of us want that. Yeah. Like if you're in your marriage and you're like, you know what I want in five years? I want distance between yeah. me and my, then you've got bigger issues. You need a counselor. You yeah. need something. Yeah. But most of us, we would like to stay happily married and connected. That's the goal. It's rarely these big deals of like, I don't, people don't wake up and go, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to have an affair. I'm going to get divorced. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to irreparably break my marriage after you are happy. Right. These little things over time. Learn to say you're sorry. Yeah. Learn to care about what they care about. All of these things. 
it's not rocket science. It's just hard. And, and just do it. And, you know, one of the things, my husband was not a touchy-feely guy when we first got married. And he actually, I mean, this is going to sound so kind of funny and basic, but I think this actually was such a key to our relation relational health. He ended up spending some time with the spiritual director who literally gave him, like, a feelings vocabulary <laughs> list. And for a while, Kevin would be like, okay, here's how I feel. And he'd look on the list and he'd go, I feel, you know, ashamed or I feel angry or whatever it was. Like he'd pick it from the list. And I'm telling you, even even as silly and basic as that sounds, the fact that he was doing the work meant so much to me that that went a long way in our like good, fun, healthy, loving relationship dynamic. And then now it's more natural for him because... He had that practice yes. at it. So I think yeah. anyone can grow in this. And Brian's right. Guys, if you're like rolling your eyes at this, you are the one who will suffer in the end because I promise you a happy wife is a happy life. No doubt <laughs> about it. All right. Well, coming up next, there's a pastor who handled critique publicly online. It wasn't massive. It wasn't some big church drama, but it gave me some pause. And I just want to pick your brain about it, Brian, and hear what you have to say. So I'll uh, share that with you when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. It is the end of the show. And I want to talk to you, Brian, about something a little, I don't know if it's controversial. It's something I saw on Instagram Around how a pastor handled some critique, and I just kind of want to unpack it. I'm with ready. You. I, I like know these what things. Brian from thinks. So, there's a pastor that most people know, although maybe that's unfair to say. His name is Matt Chandler. He's out of uh, Village Church in Texas, and Matt Chandler, if you remember, got in trouble. Was it earlier this year? Brian? Yeah, August. August for um, essentially having a too close of a relationship with the right. female in his church. Sure. But he is back now, been restored by the elders. And Matt Chandler and Village Church are uh, releasing a new podcast series called Overcomer. They stole my first book title, by the way. <laughs> sure. No one else but is allowed to use the no word. No one else is. But they're... Um, but they're doing different overcoming addiction, overcoming this, and they're overcoming putting a lot of that. Them out in a yeah, row. they are, and they're really, really advertising. So the um, the most recent one, and you can you can guess right away why this caused from controversy, <clears throat> but it is titled "Overcoming Same Sex Attraction," mm-hmm. and so of course people uh, on Instagram. I wouldn't say went crazy, but it invited quite a bit of both support and critique. Lots of people saying, how dare you? Lots of people saying, I'm so glad you're doing this. Somebody needs to, etc." Okay, so here's, here's what was interesting. Somebody critiqued him and essentially said, Matt Chandler slash Village Church, do better. Mm. And he said this to this specific person. This is Matt Chandler responding on Instagram. Lots of things you're projecting on me here, friend. Since it hasn't come out, I know you haven't listened. So the podcast apparently hasn't come out yet. Okay, Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Right. And then he says, I'm sorry for what you've experienced and seen. You projecting that on me is pretty judgmental. Mm. Listen to it next week before you come at me like this. I'll receive whatever critiques in all caps after you've actually heard the story. Okay. So I... I had mixed feelings about this reaction because I thought, yeah, he's right. Like, you shouldn't critique something until you've listened. But then I also was like, 
wow, Matt Chandler is coming across as really, really defensive. Can public pastors like him do that? Like, what do you think? Uh, personalizes him for me. I'm glad that oh, I'm good okay, with okay. it because he, the person did come at them. They have no idea what he's going to say. With that said as yeah. well, I would also say this. For the people who want to get mad about what Matt Chandler or someone like him is going to say in a podcast, Matt Chandler has been very open about what he believes about certain things. That's true. Right? You're and right. So You're right. I don't think he did this for everyone. To, he's doing this to kind of unpack the story and mm-hmm. unpack what he believes. Mm-hmm. So I think... It, a, yeah, I do appreciate him pushing back because I mean, we don't get I don't get this in my life, but it's the equivalent of if somebody came and railed against your book before it got released. Yeah, yeah. And you'd be like, you uh, haven't even at least read, it. read it. I would. You're right. I at would at least read it and, and then, then me. feel free to point out yeah. all the bad things yeah. or all the good. Things, but give me a listen. Yeah, that's all he's saying. He's saying, yeah. hey. How are you critiquing something that hasn't come out? I think embedded underneath that is you're making a lot of assumptions, person, about Without what even, I'm going to say, right. what this other person's going to say. And it might surprise you when you actually yeah. listen to it. Chances are this person knows what match and is probably right. But he's right. like, hey, at the very least, give it a listen. Yeah. But I also find it funny when people push back against, say, a podcast like this. Right. right? There's a million podcasts in the world. But you know what Matt Chandler believes. You totally know. He's a good dude. Yeah. He tries to show grace to people who disagree with him. All of this stuff. But he has a very orthodox view. He does. On issues of sexuality. He does. That to try to, like, get him and be like, do better. Yeah. What what, what do you think is going to come of that? You think the reply is going to be... Shoot, You're right. I really I'm so am, convicted I thank by this. You for telling yeah. me to do better. So maybe Matt Chandler could be said to be punching down here, and that's never good. I think Let that's it go. What but I felt like I, I think that's what kind of. And part of me was like, good for you for like standing up for yourself. You don't see a lot of pastors like push back. But then there was a little part of me that felt like, oh, but this is Matt Chandler. He's got all the power, and I. He, it did feel like punching down. I think there was maybe a way to say the same thing. <laughs> like, hey, you're projecting some things here. It hasn't come out yet. I'll be happy to receive your critiques after you've actually heard the story. Yeah. But some of this, like, you're being judgmental, you're projecting on me. I felt like he went too far. But then I'm even, like, kind of questioning, like, well, you know, he's a regular guy. This is a human reaction. And I, I guess there is something to be said about don't punch down, but the other yeah. guy punched first. Yeah, he did. You're right. And we bemoan all the time people commenting. On, so yeah. maybe one of the answers to that is to push back. Yeah, now, that just might right. bring more people at you. Yeah. Matt Chandler is also trying to get people to listen he to his podcast. Like, no I've seen they're releasing that. like one a day. I, I, sidebar here. How many more things can he do that are like. Uh, over, how many more overcoming things can there be? Like I'd be spacing them out if I were him. I think I would too, like a week at a time or like something. Overcoming, They're, it's like a whole a, he season. He did overcoming addiction. He did overcoming abortion. I yeah, think was one. Yeah, all this yeah. stuff. So I, I'll give it a listen. It sounds great, but I get what you're saying. It probably would be much easier, and it would just go away if he just didn't answer. I think if he just didn't respond to his critiques, like I do see some celebrity, you know, pastors who 
get or authors, Christian celebrity people that get this kind of critique all the time. And if you follow through their Instagram scrolls, they don't respond to the haters at all. They just act like they don't exist. And then I do think it goes away. There's a little bit of like, bro, don't fight back. But I don't know if I'm wrong. Like that's where I'm, I'm, I'm questioning my own. I think from what he said about you are projecting that on me is pretty judgmental. Mm -hmm. That feels like, Almost tongue in cheek of going, when you say Matt Chandler Village Church do better, what you're saying is we're being judgmental for saying this. About yeah, and now I'm saying but you're, you're actually being the judgmental, judgmental to me. Should Matt Chandler? I don't care. I and I don't know. But, but Should he as a pastor be responding sure, like this? I think if someone comes at you, you could go at them. I okay, wouldn't. okay. Now, knowing that some of what, not around this type of thing, but yes. some of what got Matt Chandler in trouble in right. August had to do with social media. Right. Might not be the best idea. That's definitely a, a question in my mind, and maybe perhaps for him specifically. Like, was it some of the issue him being a little bit too like casual and flippant? Yeah, yeah. And so this feels casual and flippant to me. Again, from a very public pastor. Now, I guess I would want to say to the person, whoever it is, mm-hmm. hey. You do better. Wait till the podcast comes yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, listen I think that's it. really fair. Don't go critiquing books. It's the same thing with yeah. that Josh Butler book when people were giving all their stuff right. without ever having read anything. Right. And you're like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe at least read it. read it. Like, I read your book before I ripped it. I mean, it was. <laughs> you, know. you did not read my book until you did not rip it. <laughs> okay, I will read your book, though, before I rip it. How like, does that you'll sound? You'll read my kid's book. <laughs> that's what you'll do. This is just childish drivel. <laughs> Okay, so is there any point in like talking on talking back on social media? Do you think? I guess so. I, I guess you can, yeah. but I don't know. I, I guess if I were somebody of Matt Chandler's uh, level of yes, notoriety, influence in this ad, and what have I you. would regularly be thinking, "What's the good of this?" Yeah, I think should I, I just, do this. What's the good of this? A little this? bit of me wonders, like, should his team be telling him, like, bro, don't respond to the haters? No. But I guess you're right. All of it's going to fuel the fire of the podcast, and then he'll uh, he'll get more listeners Agreed. and watchers. And I'm going to listen. I'll give it a list all right, after well, I read the book, Overcomers. <laughs> And rip that. That's one. right. And then you go to Matt Chandler and you'll be like, why did you steal her title? There That's what go. needs to happen. All right. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.